Hello, it's Ed Gamble here from the Off Menu podcast that you're currently listening to. I am on tour now. The show is called Hot Diggity Dog. Make sure you go and get yourself a ticket. I'm probably coming to a town near you if you live in the UK and Ireland. And Ireland, Dublin and Belfast. Do go to edgamble.co.uk, buy yourself a ticket, and I'll see you for an evening of Hot Diggity Dog. Hot Diggity Dog! Thank you, James. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Off Menu Podcast, taking the bacon of humour, frying it in the oil of the internet, and then removing the rind of bad vibes. Hello, James. Oh, you take your rind off the bacon, do you? Well, if it's that that horrible, chewy rind mm. of good bacon, when it's like a really hard bit of rind, you do need to take that off. But I like the soft fat, of course. Oh, I like the crispy crispy rind, maybe. I, lo- I love the, the crispy up. rind, yeah. I love yeah, the crispy yeah. rind, very nice, but sometimes you get that little gelatinous bit around the outside yeah. that's impossible to crisp up and impossible to eat because it's too chewy. That's what we don't have here. We don't have chewy rind. No chewy rinds here. This is the Off Menu Podcast with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Quite often we do have chewy rinds, but mm. Benito edits them out, doesn't he? Yeah, he, and he chews them himself on, on his own yeah. in a little room. He chews them all up. And Texas going, oh, I'm chewing this bit of I'm rind. I'm chewing the rind. And we go, oh, right, go block this number as well yeah. now. <laughs> I'm going to block a different number from him every single week. He's got a bucket full of burner phones, that boy. Yep. This is the Off Menu Podcast. We are inviting a guest into our dream restaurant and asking them their favourite... Their favourite what? My, my brain stopped. Well, I know that, you know, it's only theoretical that you've been cast as the snake in the live-action remake of Robin Hood, but it's nice to know you are going into it's it. Theoretical, but I might still do it. Yes. I think I'm proving that I can do it. Favourite ever start a main course dessert, side dish and drink, not in that order. And this week, our guest is... Asma Khan. Asma Khan, a wonderful chef. We always love having chefs on, don't we, James? Love having chefs on. Feel very lucky, boys, when we we have a chef on. Always a bit nervous when we have a restaurateur in as well, though. Yes, because we might mention restaurants we like. And maybe they will be bad. Well, no, I just mean we've run the dream restaurant and that Asma's going to be able to see that we, we don't really know how to oh, run a no, restaurant. no, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Great. Luckily, we've built in uh, a format point that means we can kick Asma out. If, That's true. If she mentions a secret ingredient, so then we can get off the hook easier. Yes, an ingredient which we don't like or the listeners don't like, depending yes. on who suggested it. And yes. this week, the secret ingredient is supermarket, supermarket sushi. Supermarket sushi. Supermarket sushi. Sushi? Uh, it's Susie eats supermarket sushi in the shard. Yep, as everyone knows. <laughs> JP McMunnam. I guess maybe McNamara is the, the full name. This is just a Twitter handle. McManaman. Oh, yeah. Well, it's JP McMunn on Twitter. And uh, JP has suggested supermarket, supermarket sushi, sushi. Which I agree. 
I agree too. Not sure it'll come up in the episode. I think we might be safe with this one. You but Supermarket know. Sushi, awful. Fridge cold, rock hard oh, rice. No flavour. I believe legally they're not even allowed to sell raw fish, so it's always cooked fish quite often. The one that's like mackerel or whatever. Yeah. That's the worst. The little, the, the brown fish that's like cooked on the top of the rice in Marks yeah. and Spencer. That. For me, it's the tuna roll, the, the cooked <sighs> tuna, yeah. like oh, tins tuna roll. Yeah, really bad stuff. Horrible. A bit of cucumber if you're lucky in there. Oh, You my need the soy sauce to God. moisten up the rice. Yeah. Oh. You know, not super, yeah, all supermarket sushi, you know, I feel like we're gunning for M&S here, but they do have a specific thing with that tuna one, which is... Yeah, 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 it is bad. Um, way. But also, for balance, yeah. Marks and Spencers have revolutionised the service station game, so... Yeah, hey, look, I'm not complaining about I that. Just, I just worry that I'm going to be banned from there, and I'm currently doing my UK tour electric, yeah, yeah. Uh, and every day I'm having the cut-up apple uh, with peanut butter dip peanut butter. well you deserve it then because you're a granny smith lover and you know how i feel only about in that. that context only in the peanut butter context yeah. i love marks and spencer's cut up granny smith with peanut butter dip and also mm. the prawns that you can dip in the cocktail sauce yes yeah that is yeah that's that, good i like that every day on tour yeah yeah tickets available edgamble.co.uk very nicely done this week mercy also people can um pre-order my book james acaster's guide to quitting social media being the best you you can be and curing yourself of loneliness, volume one. They can do that. Yeah. James you know, struggling like, to remember the title of his own book there. It's too, too long. It's I did, too long. I, yeah, I did a really long up. title for a laugh. And yeah, now, you, you know, up, mate. worried about that. Also, Asma's got a wonderful book out. Yes, she does. Before we even speak to her, we're going to mention this book because we've got it sitting here and it looks incredible. It's called Amu, Indian Home Cooking to Nourish Your Soul. Asma Khan of Darjeeling Express, which is her wonderful restaurant. And I cannot wait to make some of this stuff. Slash. Yeah read this book when I'm sat in the kitchen and ordering a delivery. <laughs> but it looks beautiful. Yeah, uh, I think there's a, a big story behind it of uh, Asma's mother, but uh, we'll ask her about it. We're looking through it. Every single recipe sounds delicious. Oh, man. All the pictures of the food as well make my mouth water. I'm so hungry. <laughs> and uh, there's a big, also, you know, there's a huge personal story behind it and a uh, very universal uh, story all the way through that people can relate to. So not just a cookbook in my eyes. There's even more to it. Oh, I can't oh, I can't wait. Right. So without further ado, this is the off-menu menu of Asma Khan. Welcome, Asma, to the Dream Restaurant. Thank you. I'm very excited. <laughs> Welcome, Asma Khan, to the Dream Restaurant. We've been expecting you for some time. Here he is. Pretty good? Yeah, that was good. The ge- that was the genie entrance there, Asma. I, I, I worked that one out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you knew which one was the genie immediately, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Which, en- which uh, greeting did you prefer out of me and Ed there? Yours. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah it's it very dramatic. It was dramatic. It was very... Uh, <laughs> It's ceremonial, would you say? I always worry, though, now now we're in a sort of uh, pandemic era of the genie entrance being quite spit-based when, yeah. we're, when we're in the room with people. There's yeah, quite... I can't believe people used to blow out candles on a cake and then everyone <laughs> eat it. Yeah. Because now we don't do all of this in the restaurant before. We used to always have candles and singing and everyone singing. Mm-hmm. And now we're terrified. No candles <laughs> at all. What happens if there's people in the restaurant and they start singing or they they start they blowing do, out candles? They do. Do you uh, shut it down? We we. I'm very very mean. I have a <laughs> very mean streak to me. I come back and say we are still in the pandemic, although we have an absolute 
idiot running the country mm-hmm. so you no longer can say that <laughs> after thursday that we're still in a pandemic because all rules are being removed but yeah yeah but you can you know you, it's your restaurant your rules right you can still ban happy birthday no no i we yeah. we are banning happy birthday for not just the candle reasons but that's that's a long story and i won't bore you i don't know oh, i think i, I don't think, know i think we want to hear that no because the thing is that people bring in one cake and then mm. we have to give them cutlery and cut and mm. when anyone has an allergy it's all very stressful there's a legal side of me which i hate <laughs> <laughs> and this is a bit that comes in a what if they have a nut allergy it's in the cake it's not on the food because we've got everything marked mm-hmm. also i mean just on a, on a, it hits the bottom bottom line because no one has dessert yeah. as someone gets some cheapo cake from somewhere and they all have cake and you know we've got to wash all those plates and cut and I I feel bad taking you know cakeage as it's called it sounds <laughs> really weird thing to do but you know some restaurants do I've lost the argument won the argument with my GM and my accountant on this one so yeah we don't do cake for lots of reasons I'm on your side with that yeah I love that they bring their own cake to yeah. a restaurant they yeah, I mean it's, it's their birthday it's, it's I mean it's it's awkward you know and it's awkward to say no to people and people can get very emotional but it's it's a hard one and I think a lot of restaurants do struggle with this because you don't want to come across as mean people have chosen to come to your place to celebrate a birthday and then they whip out this 2 pound cake <laughs> which 18 people are going to have slices of and you think this is like a tough one Yeah. Have you thought about keeping some Colin the caterpillars in the in the kitchen just and then real big markup like a wine markup? Yeah, we could do that. That would that would really make us popular. Sixty yeah. quid, Colin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do your own version of yeah. Colin the caterpiller. Yeah. I'd be up for that. Yeah, I think I would love. That's still my favorite cake. Yeah. Uh, I the first time I saw it, I thought it was just so incredible. And for you know, I grew up in India where we didn't get cakes with shapes and things like that. You got uh-huh. a very basic cake, and you should be grateful you got a cake. and i just blew my mind you know as if you could get a shape cake for nothing you could buy even if it was on your birthday yeah. you could get a caterpillar yeah. yeah i just loved it it almost tastes better when it's not your birthday calling the caterpillar yeah. cake yeah. just go and buy a calling the caterpillar i'm not that brave <laughs> no i i've thought about it i've thought about buying a calling the caterpillar cake for no reason and be, then i'm like be brave What? be brave life is too short <laughs> yeah. yeah i did that as a teenager i'm not oh. surprised you did it yeah yeah well i didn't buy calling the caterpillar cake yeah M&S had brought out these limited edition uh, Shrek cakes that were um, the size of like a, a face. And it was, I've just realised what I've said and that you're yeah. going to try and team me up yeah, for yeah, an yeah. accent, but I'm not going to do the Shrek yeah. accent in front of asthma. I, James, I, James I, does a really good Shrek impression. Hey, yeah, now you have to do it. You, do, you raised it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I knew that he was going to do it. As soon as I said I, Shrek. Could you be Shrek finding out that you've got your own cake? <laughs> <laughs> It's gone so shy. Oh yeah, shy. Oh, uh, can I please? I t- because people can't see his face. He's also turned quite red. Yeah, yeah. yeah which isn't isn't good for a Shrek impression. No. <laughs> You're, no it would be as green as possible. Uh, oh, oh, I can't, be- I can't believe Mark Spencer's a dummy, a cake. It looks like my face. Don't get, don't get out of the slice of this cake. It's a fake fondant. The fondant is so thick. <laughs> <laughs> they've got jam and cream in the middle and two layers of sponge <laughs> and that was what i ate. yeah yeah and did you was it nice yeah really nice. i ate the whole thing as uh and you, lo- and you live to tell the tale clearly. i live to tell the tale and do an impression of shrek yeah. but like yeah it was it was i i had been planning it for quite a while yeah i'd seen it in marks and spencers and i thought man i'd love to eat that whole thing and then my brain went you can't eat a whole cake that's illegal you're not allowed to eat a whole cake 
And then uh, as the days went on, I thought, actually, you know, 15, that's the age where you start to think for yourself a bit more. Yeah. And I was like, I think I can eat a whole cake. So Good I for in, you. I bought it and ate a whole Shrek face. So growing up in India, you said there was no shaped cakes. It was just round or square, were they the options? They're usually just square. Just square. Just square. And we didn't have a huge cake uh, culture, uh, you know, but birthday cakes was a big thing. Mm-hmm. So like we don't have cakes in our wedding. I think there's no space. People are dying in any case after seven days of <laughs> dancing and singing. Uh, but I, I have this obsession with cakes. And I asked my mother very gently when I was getting married that could I have a, what I then called the English style, you know, three layered cake. And she passed out. She said, like, <laughs> no way. So if I get married again, it's just for that opportunity to cut the cake. It, it is something that you, you see when you grow up, it's very hard for you all because of the age that everyone is around this table. <laughs> there was a time when you there was no internet, you didn't see images. And I grew up in a socialist, you know, Bengal, where all Hollywood films were banned. So we didn't get to see a lot of films as well. So if you wanted to see images or pictures, you went to the library mm-hmm. and you looked at an encyclopedia. There was no television at all. No, no. You had television for two hours in black and white. So I, it was that time that you imagined how amazing these cakes were. It didn't taste as great as it looks. Yeah. I have to admit. <laughs> Bit disappointing, my first experience of, of fancy cakes in this country. But uh, but then, you know, that was 1990s. Things think, have improved a lot. The first time yeah. you saw a Colin and Caterpillar was in black and white in an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost, yes. Um, let's talk about your wonderful book uh, that's come out, Amu. Uh, um, is that, have I pronounced that right? Yes, you pronounced it correctly. It's, it looks beautiful as well, like the cover and stuff, but you can't show it to people. It's a very personal book. Uh, I think I always had this book in me. I wanted to write about uh, a very special relationship. She taught me how to cook. But also she was uh, someone who I learned a lot from. I only figured this out once I left and I was eating Colin the Caterpillar cake in this country. I realized how much she had actually really taught me how to think, you know, the whole idea of equality deeply entrenched in her. And she was very progressive for the kind of person she was. You know, she didn't go to college. She came from a royal family. She set up a, a, a food business. And she was fiercely, you know, very committed to equality. People who had, you know, emotional problems, women who were abandoned by... So those who society was sidelining, women who were abandoned by their husband, of course, the shame is theirs mm. because the husband walked off. I remember, I was be so scared. She used to go into very difficult slums and tell everybody, she works for me from tomorrow. I don't want any man to walk in there. And she used to tell her, you don't have to sell yourself or your daughters. You come and you work for me. And the next morning, we used to hate Amu at that point because she, there were like four snotty kids sitting outside. But that was remarkable. And she did it in this, such a kind of casual way. No one would dare tell her that what she was doing was wrong. And she was unafraid to speak up. And I think, although she's never admitted it, I mean, I can say it now, she was uncelebrated too. She's one of five daughters. She was the middle daughter. And she understands that what it is not to be wanted and the pressure of you know you know having another son and I was not the son she spent her entire life trying to be very fair to me and my brother and I realized that you know if all you needed was someone to tell you you're equal and it was harder for her because Indian society is very shallow my sister very very beautiful still looks 10 years younger than me looks like a model 
and uh, very fair-skinned, very slim, long hair. And the comparisons were brutal. So not only was I not a boy, I didn't look pretty. I was fat, I was dark. It was constantly being told all of this. And my mother was just incredible. She never made either of us feel different. She raised us to understand that we're equal. And I learned this very young. This is why this book is so important, because you understand the equality and food is a great leveler. She cooked for us, she sat down and fed us and made us feel we were equal. And she made me feel very powerful. She always said, you will change the world. I know it. I, in my lifetime, I want to see. How could I not write a book yeah. to her? Because mm-hmm. she taught me how to live. It's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. I feel a bit silly asking poppadoms or bread. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, still a sparkling water after that. Are there any highlights or recipes in here that mean the most to you, that you're most excited to put in the book? I think the biryani. And the thing oh, is yeah. that, you know, the biryani is a very complicated, usually for large numbers. Mm. For those who've come to my supper club will know, like, you know, it's a massive pot of biryani that is opened. This is a biryani my mother made, usually when I failed in maths. Mm-hmm. Or I'd, I'd gone to trouble or I bunked school and I was caught. My mother would make this biryani and I knew why. It was to tell me it was okay. So when my brother lost a cricket match or when I failed in usually maths, sometimes science, papers... And I would send this report home that, you know, I'm a really stupid child. Uh, she would do this kind of thing. And the biryani is that, I love that. So the biryani is one of the dishes that uh, I've, I've got in there. And it's very doable. And it's for a small house, sort of six people. So, and, in, in, and you, you can eat it in one go. Yeah. The, the man who eats the shred cake in one go can, oh, eat, yeah, can eat that biryani for six in one sitting. Mold that biryani into the shape of an of a ogre and I'll eat it. Yeah, James can't eat anything that's not Shrek thing, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, it has to be Shrek so. thing. It can be made Shrek thing. I'm sure that's very easy to do. <laughs> so you were saying just before we started recording that your menu that you're going to choose today is not necessarily going to come from the book. Yeah, because that, yeah. that would be just uh, plugging the book. And yeah. I, I, the book is fabulous. You should just go and get it for yeah. all the reasons, right reasons. But as I have the two of you, yeah. I thought it would be fun to to also, uh, I just think that there is this kind of huge uh, anger with British people in India. We hate the British. Yes. They stayed too long yes. and uh, far, far, far too long. Yes. And they they did some good stuff. But I've always... I just fun- want to, I've never been. I just want to make it clear. No. <laughs> I've not stayed too long. I've never had the opportunity well, to you go. You can go now. As long as you stay for a short time, it's fine. Yeah, I, w- I won't stay my yeah, welcome, yeah. I promise. But the thing is that there's the fabulous impact of the British staying in India, which was the food, which was the Anglo-Indian food, which a lot of people don't know. And Indians, like, I had, I wrote in my first cookbook, people were so angry that cauliflower was got to India by the British in 1930s. Very, very new. And aloo gobi matar, which is in the book, mm-hmm. in the book, and it's a great recipe, is a British combination because they even got the potatoes to Bengal. The Portuguese got potatoes mm-hmm. to Bombay. The British got... And I just think that, you know, in this kind of xenophobic hatred, which works both ways, of the outsider and the other, I thought I was going to send you on a journey of discovery and make you get things where there is a very strong British influence and an Indian influence. And these are not so well-known dishes, but I just thought, let me make it more interesting. And also it's a shared heritage, our shared heritage. Well, we always start with still a sparkling water. Sparkling. Very, very boring. Look at 
Right. No, that's not. But that's still, not boring, the boring choice, right? Yeah. Sparkling. So sparkling's that, that's, the exciting that's the exciting choice. one. That's the jazzy water. Yeah, it's the jazzy water. <laughs> would you agree? Yes. <laughs> a bit more jazzy, a bit more fun. Yes. Why would you prefer sparkling over still each time? Because I, this is still something new to me. I mean, in India, if your water had bubbles in it, you run. <laughs> There's something live at the bottom of the glass, breathing through that water. You see bubbles, you don't drink it. <laughs> and, uh, and it's been 30 years. But in my heart, there's still stuff I take joy out of. Mm. And yeah, to see bubbles and you know that it's not an animal breathing at the bottom of the glass. <laughs> that... I'm going to think that every time I see sparkling water now, I'm going to have to check the bottom of the glass and go, yeah. oh, there's something breathing down there. I'll be quite excited yeah. if, if, if I had a little creature in my glass. Go live in India. Yeah. I am so scared of all creepy crawlies. I've had a snake coming out of my shoe. And you know, I know that this this kind of horrible impression that people have, you know, with the land of lions and snake charmers, but there are snakes. There are snakes and they live in your school shoe in some places. Well, I've tried to invite myself along. Our mutual friend, uh, Nish Kumar, he, he goes to India sometimes, and I try and invite myself along to those trips, and he always says I can't go. Well, I think he's going on like a family thing, mate. I don't yeah. think he's... <laughs> but I would like to go and hang out. I don't want to go on my own. No. Nish's family, they know all the hot spots. Yeah. They know where all the good food is. His grandma makes good fish curry. Yeah. That's what I want. I want to go with Nish's family. And they, they always say, I can't go. <laughs> well, you have the book in front of you. This yeah. is all home food. India, you should go where you can eat in people's homes. Mm-hmm. The food in the restaurant is not our food. Mm-hmm. Same as the food in restaurant here is not our food. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Wait, hold on and hang on. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll take you to yeah, my thank home. thank you. <laughs> well, that's something, to be honest, I think that works out yeah. better for me, uh, food-wise. <laughs> yeah. You should eat, go and eat home food. Yeah. I will do. I'm, I'm going to get that fish curry one day. Yeah, from you will. Nan. You will. Pop-dobs or bread? Pop-dobs or bread, Asma Khan? Pop-dobs um, or bread? Bread. What kind of bread? Not naan bread. Now, why <laughs> specifically not naan bread? No you, one a eats... fire lit in your eyes there. No, because no one eats that in India. Your mm. bloody house will catch fire if you have a tandoor. <laughs> you know, this idea... People ask me, do you have naan, naan bread? First of all, it's like saying, you know, do you have bread, bread? Uh-huh. Naan is bread. Bread. I mean, how stupid are you? Like chai tea. I kill myself. Don't say. Do not say naan bread. Do not say chai tea. There are lots of lists of things that you should not be saying, especially not to Indians because we die. A little bit of us dies every time we hear this. Yeah. Yeah. So please don't kill us so early in our lives. But papadam, just for all you other folks who yeah. don't know this, is never eaten at the beginning of the meal. Right. Somebody worked this out that because you know, mainly white folks have have starters. Let's give them something which we eat at the end of the meal just to mess it up. Yeah. So papadam is given at the end of the meal to wipe up all the sauces that are left behind. And wow. the chutney is a digestive to help you break down all the fatty food you've eaten. Ta-da! Oh my so God. So no papadam and bread, no naan bread either. I just want any, any kind of bread. But you just turn my whole world upside yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. We've been saying papadoms of bread to people on this podcast every episode. and I've ruined it. We should have been saying it at the end. We should yes. have been saying bread. It should, you should have just shouted would bread Would you like some bread? Top. Yeah, and then at the end shouted papadoms. So would you like a papadoms yeah. at the end? <laughs> I'm <laughs> so sorry. No, just, you have to, just we'll do my episode in the right order. Yes. And then you can go back to doing it the other way. Yeah, because yeah. The, everywhere no around here, it's being done the wrong way. So yeah. fine, you're just fitting in with the society you're living. Fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've been duped, right? It's not our yeah. fault. Yeah. 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 It's not your fault. This is what you've been told happens in India. It doesn't. It's all wow. bullshit. Who, who started that? Even though I've just criticised this whole idea of the, the... It's really started in the 60s. It's some even earlier. So there were Saletis, they're not even Indians. 
uh, they're from one little village mainly in Bangladesh and they got off the boats and they didn't want to go back and they'd been working on 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 the ships you know merchant ships and other ships and they opened restaurants of what they thought was indian food and they they created a cuisine to make white folks happy so lots of cream and made up dishes and messing up the order of how food is served but i actually think that you know it's incredible 1960s britain no irish no dogs no blacks and no asian person was going to be given money to open a business they didn't want to go and get benefits and this is what they did they created a uh, you know make believe cuisine and i think that this is fine because and unlike a lot of indian chefs who are very critical of the curry house i will never criticize them because i know i stand on the shoulders of giants i don't know what it was like to be in the 60s in england you know people throwing stones through your uh, restaurant window people running away without paying a lot of aggression with drunk people they changed the palate of a nation i am where i am i'm absolutely sure of that because i had first advantage my cuisine mm-hmm. whatever happens you know your parents you know and you're young enough you know will remember their first curry as the first exotic dish they had and you will remember going with your family maybe you're a bit too young still for that but you know a little bit older than you going to a restaurant to have you know a family meal in a curry house this is a huge advantage we have because it allowed us to actually be part of the fabric of this nation and that is a massive advantage for all of us who are now serving the same food different version but i hesitate despite pointing out about the papar papadam yeah. as you call it you call it papar <laughs> uh, that there is a difference So yeah it's it's incredible that they did this and they came in and you they were in every village and all over the place I'm sure yeah. if you go and inspect Mars carefully you'll find someone has a curry, <laughs> has a curry shop up there I mean also that's quite incredible like coming to another country and uh just really like analyzing the the market what people would like to eat and just coming up with something yeah. that will work and it actually working and it's pretty depressing that you take one look at british people and go oh, we're going to have to just dump a load of cream in yeah <laughs> Bring the cream in. Get yeah, the cream. creamy. Yes, yeah, so that, that because I we don't, you know, India is so hot. You put so much cream in your food, it'll split right, the food, yeah. and then after that, you will be sick mm-hmm. for having eaten split food. So yeah, just this is just something that was done for first time I saw in Indian restaurant was in Cambridge. I almost died. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe I was trying to figure out what is this, <laughs> and everyone was eating it like so happy. I was thinking, <laughs> I don't understand. You know, where's the food going to come? I thought this is just things to play with. You know, till <laughs> till actual food turned up. So, what bread would you like? I would like chapati, and chapati is what we eat every day. It's the most standard bread. It's made on a tawa, which is like a flat iron plate. It's very basic. Doesn't have any fat in it. It's just you know chapati flour, and it's it's the basic bread that people will eat every day. I mean, can't go wrong with really. it. No, yeah, delicious. And I think that you know, uh, people still don't understand our food, but I think we're getting there. We're getting there, and it's exciting. And you should say papadam and bread to your next guest, please, because oh, that makes sense. I will. And Joe, you know what? If they don't pick me up on it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna educate them. <laughs> yeah. Anyone from anyone from now on who picks papadams, we're gonna go. Oh, right. Uh, I see. You don't well, know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Which like, at the end of the meal. <laughs> um, Is there a place you've had the best chapati bread? Is there someone who makes the best that you've ever had? One of the girls in my kitchen here, but no restaurant. Restaurant is run by men. Yeah. They don't know how to cook. <laughs> they know how they've learned to cook in culinary school. Yeah. If you look at all the every chef who's working in this country at at a certain level, mid-level, uh 
Upright. Their CVs are identical. They all went to the same culinary school. They learned to cook there. And they worked in five-star hotels, fancy five-star hotels in India. That's how they learned to mass cook. We had one fridge and we had power cuts for eight hours. You ate anything out of the fridge, you were bloody dead. Yeah, everything looked like Shrek inside. It was green and things were growing in it. Yeah, and you would speak just like Shrek after you ate that because you'd been like absolutely dead. So we didn't grow up. You couldn't mass cook. You couldn't cook in advance. Yeah, It's a hot country. It's very hot and very humid. And half the time there was no power when I was there. Mm-hmm. Now all the industries have closed, so we have power the whole time. They shut all the factories. So now people in the homes have electricity. So you, you were saying to us before, is that you've got an all-female kitchen yes. at Darjeeling Express. Yes. And that was obviously, that's a deliberate thing when you set out to make the restaurant, put the restaurant together. You're like, I will seek an all-female kitchen. No. No, it's just happened. It, I, I can lie just to impress people saying <laughs> that this is, this is what I planned. Couldn't find a man who knew how to cook the way I did. Mm-hmm. That's the main problem. Yeah. Because they have learned through instructions and batch cooking. I, I learned to cook with my mother. If you, It's amazing that I've written this cookbook, considering that her instructions are so bloody random. I burnt something in this while I was making, trying to make the recipe. She yeah. only put one cup of water. I put one cup of the whole bloody thing burnt. I said, what is this? One cup of water, it burnt. She said, yeah, it did. So then I asked her, which cup? Her cup is a bloody jug, huge thing on her windowsill. I said, what do you say one cup? She says, my cup. I said, yeah, but it's not. So I, you know, this is the thing. You ask any South Asian, also East Asian, the randomness of which mothers, when they give me instructions. So we can't verbalize it. It's intuitive. It's through watching. That's how you learn how to cook. So all the women who worked with me in the beginning from my house and my supper clubs, they just watched me. Some of them don't even eat meat, but they've learned to make it. And also meat is expensive. Many of them came from very deprived backgrounds. So it, it's a luxury to have eaten meat. People once sometimes ate meat once a year. They just watched me. They learned. And they're great. And they cook just like my mom or my grandmother. Because I've been able to teach them, not by telling them instructions, like put one cup of this and that. They just watch me. And men don't cook that way in my culture. Because they never learned through their mothers. We are deeply patriarchal. It's a deeply feudal society. And if people say that my brother was in the kitchen, I'd be impressed if they did. I never saw a young boy in a kitchen. In our culture, boys and men eat first. Mothers and girls eat last, the leftovers. This is true in also other cultures. All these agrarian societies where the men had worked in the fields and come back, they were served the food, the best pieces of meat still happens today in all our societies. It's not just an Indian thing. But you go there and you see the choicest cuts of meat are given to the men. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But when he has not been actually, you know, harvesting the wheat the whole day, don't think he deserves that big piece of meat. But that's still our culture. We take it for granted. It's internalized in us. But that is how women cook differently from men in my culture. Because we were in the kitchen. We served. We never got served the food complete. We helped to make it. And it's, you know, even chapati that I was talking about, it, it tastes like your shoe, my shoe, tastes like my shoe within 10 minutes because it's hard and rubbery. It's made fresh. Who is making that bread? Who is making that bread fresh and hot and ready to serve? In my book, I write about this. I tell you a way to keep it warm. I tell you, please make sure that the girls and the women eat together because it wasn't just that we were given food last. It often was burnt. The ones that didn't make it to the table is what we got. You just thought you were unlucky because you're your roti was burnt. And now when you talk about it, and for everyone who's listening to me, they will suddenly make that connection. It's done in such a kind of casual way you don't even pick it up. That your chapati is burnt. 
your chapati is dry. You are eating last. The hot, fresh, fluffy ones go to the men on the table and the boys. So I'm not going to get any guy to cook for me because I don't think they've understood it. They've not understood what it is to serve. I'm not cooking to impress. I'm not your Michelin star chef. I'm not doing poof and puff and putting edible flour and micro herbs and making it look fancy like a garden. I'm cooking to heal you. If you eat things what I cook, you will feel it. What you will feel is my love and my time. For me, the two valuable things in a cook is patience and generosity. And that is why our food is what it is. It is about serving and you know, watching someone eat. So it's not an easy place to be a woman. And this is why we are at the price point we are, the location we are, the only all-female Indian restaurant in the world. And I couldn't have done this in India because we would not have been allowed to. It had to be London. And this is why I love the city. This is the greatest city in the world. It accepts you. It gives you space. It gives you shelter. And under its umbrella, you can be anything you want to be. I have a kitchen full of immigrant women. Our identity is London. We're Londoners. We're not British. We're not Nepali, Indian, anything. We feel a love for the city. And because we know the city made us. <laughs> that's great I, I know yeah, I'm not like you. all your other guests I've no, heard you on the show that's great that's I'm great. so this sorry is why, no, no this is why it's good we, we're just really enthralled with what you're saying I, I went to your restaurant and um, you spoke a number of times during the evening and I said we've got to get you on the podcast so this, oh, is, this is why you're, you're here because we like you talking about so you about know it. the thing is that you know it is storytelling it's a restaurant you know but the bottom line is not about the fact that you've come here I'm going to extract the most out of you mm-hmm. you know and uh charge you extra for your papadums, especially because you don't know when which order it should come in. <laughs> I, no, no, we don't do that. It's about storytelling. I am trying to hold your hand and take you through a journey. I'm not just trying to feed you. I'm trying to immerse you in my culture. This is why this restaurant is so different. We want to embrace you. It is an extremely intimate thing. When you cook for someone, you know, my fingerprints are unique. I touch something, I roll it. Even if you were next to me and we were both following the same recipe from the book, this has nothing to do with the fact that you're not from my culture or you're a different gender. Your sensibility is different, your senses, your idea of what you are cooking with your whole being. So when you give something to me, you're giving part of yourself to me. I must honor it. And I want to know who you are. I will not just take your food and pay and walk off. People shouldn't do that. They need to know, who are you? You've made this stuff for me, but I want... Sit them down, ask them who they are. You can't do that in a restaurant's environment, and that's why I come up and I talk mm-hmm. because I'm talking so that you know the you know, and I talk about my women, the ones that are cooking, not just about me or the food. I tell the stories because it's very important. Uh, when you separate culture and food, this is where all the mess happens. You know, this whole thing of appropriation, people using food, and also I deeply feel this as an immigrant, as a Muslim. I won't let you take my food and not take me. You don't have the right to eat my food and get up from my table and walk away. Listen to my music, wear the clothes inspired by my culture, and then call me names. That you're not allowed to do. Please sit down with me and eat with me, break bread. You want to hate me after that. I forgive you because at least I got a chance to talk to you. This is very important. This is why food is a bridge between host communities, immigrant communities, London is a great place. We have lots of different varieties of food, but we do not have the storytelling because too many men are cooking who don't know the stories from the kitchen because they never learned there. Your dream starter. Yes. 
I'm going to be very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I want prawn cocktail. Oh, yeah. Yes. In India, that is in Calcutta. This is like the height of sophistication. A hangover from the 60s, you know, when the British left, this is what they left behind. And prawn cocktail, I still absolutely love it. Yeah. I went to Balthazar and ordered it that day. It was just like, <laughs> wherever I go and I see the menu, I'm, my, I'm, people are horrified because they think, you know, what is wrong with you? But yes, prawn cocktail is my ultimate starter. What is it that you love about it? Is it that it's still back in India, it's still like the height of sophistication? Is that, and that, you can't shake that? Yes, yeah. yes. Even I mean, though you're now in London, thing. you know, yeah. Yeah, it's a posh thing. And, and in, in India, you know, of course, we are all, you know, anything that has got eyes on all, you kind of avoid, you take the heads right. off things. But you always had, because that was what they did in the times when the British were there, you still have a whole prawn with the head mm-hmm. hanging on the side. Mm-hmm. You've got lettuce, which is a huge luxury. You know, everything bloody wills. Human beings are wilting <laughs> in the heat of Calcutta. But somehow there's always this crunchy uh, lettuce at the bottom. And yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> I, I'm still, uh, probably about a week ago, I ordered a prawn cocktail. And I don't normally, but it looked... Delicious on the menu, how it's described, king prawns. So I ordered it, and it did not come with king prawns. It came with the tiny little ones. The little shrimps. Oh. And I got about five of them. Okay. And I was very... That's I don't complain nice. ever at restaurants. So I, I just ate it, but I was very sad. No, no. So you, you bringing up prawn cocktail makes me feel... <laughs> It's something still too recent. Especially bringing up the big guy hanging on the side. The yeah. big guy hanging on the yeah. side. Yeah. Like, I, the wish, I wish I, the big guy yeah. was there. Sometimes it, it helps to look at the price. Yeah. Although yeah. that's also not true anymore in lots of restaurants. They charge you and they give you complete garbage. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, it's a bit expensive. You think, yeah, maybe it's going to be like really nice. But anyway, I love the one I had. Is there a particular place we're getting it from, this prawn cocktail? Well... I, I had it at Balthazar, but I usually get friends to make it for me. Oh, yeah. I want to risk in the restaurant. I don't want to have the same experience as you. Teeny tiny prawns, not my fun. I want big, big ones and I want it to look really fancy. And the glass has to be really nice. That'll kill me if it comes in some ordinary glass. Because in India, they come in martini glasses. Mm. And it's always a silver spoon uh, with a square edge to it. Very nice. I love you just lit up talking about this fancy prawn cocktail. So excited. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to be careful if, you, if your mum was making you one and said, you know, make it in a glass. Could come yeah. in a massive jug, right? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you never know. Yes. You never yes. know what. But my mum, it would, could go, all go pear-shaped. But because she ran a, a business for a long time, uh, this was one of the big things that she would do in a catering business. Mm-hmm. People would have biryani but the starter would be prawn cocktail. Yeah. No, it's 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 the ultimate nice. sophisticated thing to have in, yeah. in Calcutta. So you say you, you get your friends to make it for you. Yeah. Out of all your friends, who makes the best prawn cocktail? <laughs> yeah. No, not no? getting into that. Because, <laughs> What's going to happen? No, no, happen no, because they're all going to listen to this and then yeah. they, others will never make it for me. And even though some of them make it really badly, at least they make it for me. <laughs> I, I'm not going to burn my bridges. No. So this is a known thing. Everyone knows that you like prawn cocktail. Yes, and it's yes. Like it's a well-known thing. thing. So any, anyone who's friends of yours, before they even we even asked you the question, they knew what you were yeah, going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This is very, I'm, I'm, I'm very predictable, which is very sad because, you know, you want to be kind of mysterious and... Well, it took me by surprise, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting prawn cocktail to come out. Uh, yeah, because if people who, who know I'm from Calcutta would have completely expected me to say prawn cocktail. It's a yeah. big thing. I sent Richard Vines, who was at that time working for Bloomberg, to a, my favourite restaurant in Calcutta. And the first thing he wrote about the prawn cocktail is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, people have eaten in all kinds of sophisticated restaurants around the world. Sure. Calcutta does it so bloody well, really well. Do you find that, like, food critics, I, I, don't, I don't know, like, how uh, 
you know, friendly you are with a lot of food critics or how well you get to know them. But are they more easily won over by sending them to places that aren't that fancy, that are like, you know, more like homely dishes or very simple dishes? If you send them to a chip shop to get some fish and chips, are they more likely to be like, that was brilliant than they are at like a, a Michelin-starred restaurant or somewhere like that? Well, my experience is that they don't ask me about fancy restaurants because they know I've not gone to one. Sure. So the food critics who are my friends and I'm friends yeah. with quite a few have always asked me, where can we go? And one of the places where I really regret sending Tom Parker Bowles was was to an incredible place run by Afghans in the border of Waziristan. They have a hook higher than this and they hang the naan on it. The naan is this big. Uh-huh. It's the best chapli kawab, naan and karai gosht I've had in my life. Wow. And I told this to Tom Parker Bowles, he's ruined it because that place is not packed. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, wrote yeah. a review on that. Yeah, yeah those kinds of food are really fabulous to get. And it's this is like the middle of bloody nowhere next to, I'm sorry if you live there, but mm-hmm. next to East Hounslow. Uh-huh. So it's quite a hike. And then from there, it's quite yeah. a hike from the station as well. But fabulous food. I think it's important because, you know, people's palates are probably jaded from having food that is more or less similar, even though there is now more variety. But these kinds of little gems, which are very small and very niche and make just four things, are still incredible. Mm. More and more now, the fewer items on a menu, the more I'm quite excited about that place. Cause I think yeah, because it's ballsy, on, that it's really ballsy well. on the part of a restaurant if they're terrible at four things and they put them on it. <laughs> they're like, a re- like four things on the menu and they can't cook any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have not impressive. thought of it that way, but yes, <laughs> that's true. That's true. We have four things on our menu mm. and yeah, it's, uh, we cook fresh. We mm. don't use fridge and, and none of the girls in my kitchen had a fridge in the house when they were growing up. I never saw a freezer. I thought bloody it was a coffin. First time I saw a freezer <laughs> and someone opened it. Yeah. I thought some human beings were going to jump out of it. I saw a coffin, it was like a coffin in, in college. The first kitchen I'd been to, a big kitchen. Yeah. They opened it I thought, my God, there's a human being inside there. Because, you know, what? <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Today's episode of Off Menu is sponsored by Aura. James, are you ready to win Mother's Day? I am, Ed. I want to cement my reputation as the best gift giver in the family. I want to give my mom an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. May I say, James, I absolutely love the class and elegance with which you use the word mom, because this is for US listeners. All of your moms deserve a good Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. Yeah, I think your mom's going to love looking back on your childhood memories, seeing what you're up to today, seeing what you were up to back in the day, and even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving, James. Ed. Answer me this. Who is the best gift giver in your life? Hmm. Um, I'd probably say uh, my wife is a very good gift giver. Not that <gasps> my mom is not a fantastic gift giver. But yes. my wife's very good at little surprise things. She says, I've only got you a few things. And then there'll be little little surprises, things that we've seen throughout the rest of the year. I'll say to my wife, I like that. And then I forget about it. And then on the day, there's some lovely little gifts there for me that remind us of the year that we've just spent together. 
Oh, if you like being reminded of stuff, may I suggest photographs? That's a very good point, James. I think we should get ourselves an Aura digital picture frame and put some of our wedding photos on them. Right now, Ed, Aura has a great deal for Mom's Day, Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code OFFMENU at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. your dream main course now is this one that your friends would guess as well is it something that you're known no. for liking no no it's actually something that is uh, bastardized in this country a lot it's jalfarezi oh yeah i love jalfarezi it's made properly in calcutta but a lot of people don't know this is actually leftover sunday roast that they used to make for the sab the main sab the, the english people who they were the cooks were making it for and then all the rest of the roast chicken that was left over on potatoes they would shred with their hand and stir fry it with chilies and onions for themselves but soon the main people in the house noticed <laughs> there was this lovely aroma coming of chilies but this is made with leftover chicken and in calcutta they do it beautifully we have a very big anglo indian community and chal farezi is so good but i have it in a very strange way i have it with bread and butter Mhm what kind of bread white bread white bread white we don't bread. do brown bread uh-huh. white bread with lots of salted butter and chalfarezi on top with tomato ketchup that for me is my ultimate mains ah that's like a proper like, leftover meal right didn't see the ketchup coming yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i know i'm probably blown my entire reputation of being this <laughs> authentic indian chef talking about all this kind of prawn cocktail and chalfarezi with ketchup on top with butter and toast no but the thing is that, you know i can't fake it mm. this is what i love have you always had it like that yeah. have you always had it with the bread and butter and the ketchup yeah 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 yeah, yeah. of course because that's how I mean, it tastes the best. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I do it the right way. What is it about the uh, the ketchup that? Because I I think the ketchup might get a bit lost in it. But no, it not... no, no. Cold ketchup on cold top. ketchup, yeah. cold ketchup on on the hard chalfarezi. Right, yeah. yeah, see, yeah, you're I can so see that. Yeah, 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 you can get it. You got yeah, it. He, he got he, it. You he, didn't get it. He's, he's smart. I understand. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, so, that's, that's the dynamic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it it just is a great combination. You know, toast is crispy. You know, all the. the masala's going through now you're going to obsess about this till you make it <laughs> i probably am yeah like, really yeah am. it does sound like because especially because it's toasted yeah i'm going to roast well. the chicken and leave it until the next day yeah. so i can make it properly <laughs> yeah jal frazi is like my normal order in in a curry house because i've found it's the one that between curry houses is the most similar wherever you order it because it's quite very often, hard for them to mess it up yeah i mean they don't tell the story of what it is it's a leftover meal and you know very much like yoga that was discovered by the west uh, even though we've done in the east forever and also we had a meat free day in calcutta we've always had in india one day with meat free and now you guys have meat free monday yes. so a lot of stuff that has been done for a long time in the east is now being done in the west but this whole idea of no waste you know people die of hunger in my country people don't throw food we don't throw food even my restaurant if you have leftovers we beg people to take it we pack it and then I've seen that depending I try to figure out what kind of person is this do I use the emotional argument or do I use the financial one because I I use the financial one for those who look like they may not take it I said you paid for it you're going to throw away your money take it you know give it to someone yeah. and then there are those who are these kind of you know uh, tree hugging you know soft hearted people <laughs> there you talk about hunger and take the food and it'll be really good yeah. for you so we do all of that but we don't 
throw away food. Because the bad bit is my entire staff are horrible. All the leftover food that has been thrown, I have to throw it because they have memories of hunger. They say it's cursed. If you throw food, you will be hungry your whole life. So who do they get to throw food? Me. Because <laughs> they were saying like, you know, it might be good for you. You need to lose weight. And I was like, you know, this is so bad. So yeah, so when you come to a restaurant, please, for God's sake, take all your food and go. So they're happy to curse you. Yeah. yeah, because they were saying you won't be cursed because you don't know what hunger is. And it's, right. somebody, it's true. I, I don't know what hunger is. And they do. And so these are women with very large hearts, but this is, you know, deep superstition. You know, it's about throwing salt and, you know, mm-hmm. kissing the bread when it falls on the floor. There are these... I don't these, know that one. Right. Kissing the bread when it falls on the floor? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know uh, they're throwing salt over the shoulder. Yeah, but but in East Eastern Europe uh-huh. culture, and people drop bread. They will pick it up and they will kiss it because bread... Same like we do with rice. Uh-huh. In India, in my part of India, if you drop rice, you kiss it. Right. This is life. The grain of rice, piece of bread, is about living. Between life and death, that grain of rice can make a difference. So we, when we drop it on the floor, we kiss it. You're learning a lot. Yeah, yeah. learning an awful lot. Do you kiss each grain? Yeah, because you, you drop up, loads of rice. That's you know, take so we solve the pain where people drop, especially kids, when they drop a lot of rice. We we do then just gather big together. Big pile, yeah, yeah big yeah, pile. Yeah. It's really about just. Showing respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Showing respect for food. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind. I try and get my kids to do it. They don't do it. They're born here. They have like no understanding of what it is. Although I have to say, serves them bloody right over lockdown when there was no egg and no flowers. When there were no eggs, my son was flipping completely. <laughs> ah, you can't get a delivery slot and there are no eggs. I was thinking, very good. For God's sake, now <laughs> you understand. You know, you don't have the God-given right to eat. Whatever you want. My son was like the end of the world. How old is like, your, your son? He's 22 now. and He, he's he loves a, eggs. I've never known anyone to love eggs that much. Uh, uh, yeah, he's quite frightening because he trains as a boxer. He oh, also right. teaches boxing. Okay. So he uh, eats everything raw, yeah. cooked, uncooked, unsafe, safe in the fridge. You leave him alone for a little while, the whole house is eating everything up. Yeah. So yeah, he's quite something. It was quite a challenge when he came back uh, during the lockdown. Mm. We struggled to feed the boy. <laughs> yeah, I felt I was, you know, I at some point I felt I would rather feed 200 people in my restaurant than my two kids. Yeah, they were so ungrateful, <laughs> so demanding, so obsessed about things that I did not have in the house. I was like, you know, why are you doing this? If, even if someone came to my restaurant, even if you're bloody Paul Rudd and said, I will eat this. And I said, no, it's not in my menu. He would not argue. I mean. These kids, like, you know, why can't you get it? Can you go and bring it for us? And like, you know, I had to learn how to make lasagna by looking on a YouTube tutorial. Because they said, no, no, we don't. I said, yeah, go and get lasagna from Marks and Spencer's. They said, no, you make it fresh, you're a cook. But who am I doing this? It was the worst thing in my life. It took for bloody forever. And I hated it. I had to wash up so much afterwards. Mm-hmm. I tasted fine, but, you know, it was just nightmare. <laughs> I think we both have the same point that we would like to go back to in that story. Which which about. point? I've got a few. Probably Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah, the Paul <laughs> Rudd as an example immediately. Yes. Did Paul Rudd, has he, has he eaten in your restaurant? Or, you never, or was that just like... <laughs> no, I, Paul, he's so... I can't believe he's the same age as me. Uh-huh. Oh my God, he looks so young. Look, we're all That's absolutely bowled Rudd. over yeah, by Paul so Rudd. Yeah, he's and he's wonderful. He's mm. so nice. You know, you really want someone who you look up to to yeah. be nice. So Paul Rudd, Dan Levy, both incredibly mm. sweet and kind and humble. And oh yeah, there was the photo of them together. My mother is like the ultimate. Uh, she saw the photo and people were calling her saying, hey, Asma's. I was there all everywhere. She called me and said, I can see you. Who are those two white guys? <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, when he was in the restaurant, did, did he eat many things with sauce in it? How much sauce did he have? No, he had everything that I gave him. He was the most 
easy customer yeah. to, to look after. And then he knows this rice story of mine. He packed all the leftovers and took it home, including five boxes of biryani. So he picked up everything, mm-hmm. scraped all the grain off and took it. We're, we're, told, we're told he's not a condiment guy. He doesn't like ketchup and stuff like that. If, if, he, if he had that Jalfrezi you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's not putting no, ketchup he, on there. No, no the he didn't have Jalfrezi. He had very different kind of food with very little sauce and loved the food. I was really nice because he came back three times in three weeks. That you know of. He might have shrunk down. To Ant-Man size, Ant-Man yeah. size. That's why you got to always check your sparkling water, just in case it's Paul Rudd curled up yeah, in the bottom of your glass. still yeah, water, yeah. but he's uh, <laughs> running around breathing. So those stairs are now called the Paul Rudd stairs in my in my restaurant. <laughs> and people come and take, and even people bring their pets. So yeah. they haven't eaten my restaurant, but they bring their pet to stand and pose at the stairs. Paul Rudd stairs. Yeah. The little pet. Oh, I love it. Your dream side dish uh, is peas, peas with butter and yeah. a bit of sugar and salt. This menu, every single turn has surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't get, I've, I've collapsed the first time I saw when I moved to Cambridge in 1991 that mm. you got frozen peas in a bag. In India, you only get peas in winter and you have to pop them. And we don't do things by, by halves. So, you know, family wedding, 5,000 people. But what are they going to have? Peas pulao. So who are the free labor that you can exploit children so all the kids were lined up and bloody whole winter we're popping and then creepy crawlies would come out from some of them like little Uh caterpillars oh horrible so you just kind of prayed and hoped that this one doesn't have an insect in it this one doesn't have insect in it and we had to pop the peas so all the fancy you know in-laws and important people ate peas pulao but i love peas because you know alu gobi mutter is my favorite thing and I love peas, but, you know, I didn't like the popping them. First time I saw peas, I, my husband was very embarrassed. My husband's typical. I mean, people look at us and think, you know, how are you guys still married? He's very, <laughs> he has no sense of humor. Uh-huh. He doesn't like food. He's very, very boring. He's very introverted. And doesn't even like, he's just like, oh, my God, he's a very boring person. Yeah. And he took me to the supermarket because I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to use a card. You know, I just come from India. Fresh, mm. you know, no idea. I saw the peas. I said, wow, frozen peas. And there's a peas. Can I open I opened it in excitement. <laughs> and peas everywhere. Because I couldn't understand. I could feel the peas from outside. Yeah, there were yeah. peas pictures. Yeah. And I didn't deliberately open them. Yeah. But there were peas everywhere. <laughs> and I mean, I, my husband just left me. <laughs> His land. He was so embarrassed because it was just, I was super excited. Yeah. With, yeah. Yeah, I'd, you're just I'd, super excited that it wasn't a body in the freezer. Yeah. Though, you? <laughs> Did you pick yeah, up the I've, pe- I've had to. Them? I've had to learn a lot of things. You know, because now when people come, you know, and I have no sympathy for people who come from India now and say, you know, oh, I miss family. You can bloody WhatsApp your dog in Delhi. <laughs> when I came, you could do nothing. You know, it was very expensive to fly. It was very expensive to call. You could see anyone in the family for a year and a half. You couldn't call them. You know, more than twice a month. It was. Very expensive. I remember I couldn't use a cash point card. I stood in the rain in Cambridge. My husband had gone away and told me to take it out, but don't put in the wrong number. Otherwise, the machine will eat the card. That was enough to spook me. The idea that the machine will eat the card and also probably eat me. I was standing there in the rain watching people taking out cash. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised I wasn't arrested. You know, person standing there looking at people. (laughs) It was a very different time. And I'm glad I went through that because things still give me joy that people take for granted living here. I watch my kids and I see that they are so privileged. They don't understand. And I came from a highly privileged background. 
I had everything with me in India. But I still find these things great. Like you can get peas in a bag. And this is why I love peas. But I want it with butter, salted butter, and a little bit of sugar. And if I want to be very posh, some mint. Oh yeah, some mint. sugar on the peas. I've never heard sugar the, on the sugar on yeah, the peas, but I can, thing, I can imagine it. So just pinch, not a lot. Yeah, just a pinch. Yeah, just with sweet, a little bit more sweetness. You won't do a pinch, though, will you? Well, I probably will. see. This is the thing. I'm, you know, running theme on this podcast is I'm obsessed with desserts and sweets. So you can then, have a peas, peas dessert. Yeah, well, sugar. pea brulee, <laughs> pea brulee, pea brulee. I would eat that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like, it, it's weird because like because of that, because of how obsessed I'm with that. For main courses and stuff, I don't often put... Sh- like yesterday, I made a curry and the recipe said to put sugar in it. And I didn't do that because I was like, oh, I can't put sugar in my main course. <laughs> and so I didn't do it. Which I, but, 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 but the, the recipe Just said ignoring that. the recipe. If you, <laughs> you will find put sugar in, in curries and quite a few of my recipes. Yeah. It's a very... It's this whole thing of balance of sweet and sweet and sour. And this Ayurvedic idea that you know seven astringent, sour... So all these balances, you know, spices don't are not complementary. They're contradictory. Indian food is the only cuisine that does this, where things work against each other. Sugar acts to balance the thing. So that pinch of sugar, add it next time. It, yeah. Your food, your food will not become dessert. Believe me, <laughs> I know this. I know this one. Okay? That's yes, what you're, you're worried that you're you're having some of your sugar rations for the next course, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll basically just having like. Sugar fest. Yeah, I'm having sugar main course. Sugar, 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 sugar. It's just a pinch, though. Yeah, just yeah, pinch. just a pinch. I should just do it. I should do it. I should do, do what it be, says. Be brave. Be brave. Yeah, I yeah. should be braver. Yeah. Your dream drink then? Ah, oh, this is a hard one. Ginger beer. Because I drink. I don't drink alcohol. Uh-huh. And you didn't get ginger beer in India. And when I came here, someone told me that you know, ginger beer is not alcoholic. But I still want to have it just in case it was alcoholic. Yeah. I was like, what does it taste like? Yeah. It's really nice with Indian food. Mm. Uh, I know people have lager and everything. You know, I don't know because I don't drink. So I have no idea how it works. But I think that, you know, it's the kind of the bubbles and the fizz and the sharpness. It goes really well. So sparkling water without Ant-Man in it yeah. is, is nice. Yes. And, and, and also then ginger beer. How fiery are we going with the ginger beer? Not I'm, very fiery. By the way, I'm very excited that we've got ginger beer on the Yeah. Top. I don't like it super sharp, but the problem is I still don't know which one is sharp and which one is not. I never have the brains to work out and look at the label and say, for next time, remember this one <laughs> is very sharp. So I then yeah. get stung again and order one that is very sharp. So I don't know the names of it, but no, I don't want it too sharp because I want to be able to taste mm-hmm. the food with, with, with the ginger beer and not like have my head blown off. So is there a particular brand that you would normally get or is it every No, it's the one that comes in a glass bottle. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. The one that comes in tin is very sharp. The one that comes in a glass bottle mm. is not. That's <laughs> the, so I'm very think. Well, I know. I don't look at look, Fentimans. Yes, Fentimans. 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 Yes. Fentimans. They're, they're, they're in the bottle. Shout yeah. out. They're quite nice. I mean, I think I I think I like the fiery ones. Yeah, I like I a think, fiery I think one. I like a fiery ginger beer. What, most things that I consume, I want to be absolutely just kicked in the face. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's not my idea of fun. Also, for me, ginger beer reminds me of the famous five. Yes. Yeah. I knew that. I knew about ginger beer before that because we all read Enid Blyton like crazy. Uh, that was for us. And I was so disappointed when I came to this country and I saw that it's not quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually thought I'd see little pixies under toadstools. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah so I saw, and, you know, and I remember the porter in the college 
telling me, don't go near that. That's poisonous. Uh-huh. I, I saw something that looked like a toadstool. I was so excited. Yeah. But you realize, oh God, she's come from India. She had no idea. She only picked that up. I couldn't believe it. The first time I saw one. Yeah. With the red red cap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like a real toadstool. Yeah. Very exciting. Well, that's like, it's irresponsible, really, of kids' stories to make those toadstools out to be magical. Yeah. And uh, nice. And then actually they're some of the worst ones. No, no, I, 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 I now know that you can't just eat every kind of mushroom. But I still, it still is Anna Blyton and it's still, you know, stories that I read in India. So when I see, you know, randomly fungus growing here and there, I still keep thinking, oh, someone lives under it. Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, it could be Ant-Man again. Your friend Paul Rudd there with his left eye. Yeah, so Paul Rudd, I, I think that as he's had enough biryani and done enough uh, PR for my restaurant, <laughs> I think the last scene of the next Marvel film should be a biryani in... In my restaurant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I think it was, was it, I don't know which one, was, was it the shawarma was the last scene. It was in the yeah, in Avengers, first yeah. Avengers yeah. film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. But, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, should, the next should, generation of Avengers should be eating a biryani. Yeah, yeah. it should be biryani, yeah. yeah. It should be, a battle. One should, of be, should, should be London as well. Yeah. The Julian Express. We should, go, <laughs> we, should, we should go there after this. And then the post-credits is all of them there. Ant-Man leading it. When I was in your restaurant, there was a, um, um, MCU star there as well. Kamal was there. Oh, um, oh! So now I know which, which, which night you were there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you gave him some biryani. I too. gave him biryani. He yes. came on this podcast and he had biryani as his main as his dream main. I made that biryani only for him. Yeah, I know. Oh, I, 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 I was sitting there watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you shitting me? <laughs> yeah. No, we, we all got to have some. It was yeah. delicious. Yeah. So because I, I, I remember seeing him in this uh, crazy program where he was weeping and having chili sauce. And talking about my biryani scene from yeah, Netflix. Ones. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. Netflix. And I thought, you know, when he contacted me, you know, I'm coming and I'm going to bring somebody, some friends, and please get the table. Trying to get a table for six in my restaurant is like asking for the moon. <laughs> But I, I, gave, I gave it to him. And then I also made the biryani because I was like, you know, he's just so incredible. I, and, you know, in the big sick, that's also this last scene yeah. with the biryani and the potato that his father got him. Yeah. Biryani is something emotional for him. Yeah. It's a real privilege, you know, to it's exciting that they're famous people, but for me, anyone who comes in with that story of wanting and yearning for food in that way, I feel it's such a blessing to be able to feed them. And Kumail for me it was that. You know, he could have been anyone. But I saw that and I knew that biryani was important for him. You know, a pain in the neck to make it because <laughs> he was so busy. But I, I thought, no, I'm going to gonna make the biryani for him. Yeah. Well, see, so you're gradually racking up everyone from Marvel and uh, that will be in a film soon enough. Yeah, soon yeah. enough, you're going to yeah. be in there. My dream is to have Samuel L. Jackson. That yeah. uh, I really want to feel. So I'm waiting for him. Yeah, because, like, I mean, he's got a lot of iconic food scenes from films. Yeah. If you can make him a tasty burger. Royale, yes. like, Royale with cheese. Yeah, he'd be yeah. I love that film. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's so bizarre because my kids are like, you know, it's such a violent film, Mama. Why do you like it? Also, before we move on, the other food thing that I think of with the famous five is cucumber sandwiches. I'm wondering if you like cucumber yeah. sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of yeah. Course. All these English things that you think English people have, yeah. I absolutely love. And My kids, you know, hate them, but I, I tried to make it for their school lunch because they wouldn't eat school dinner. So I had to give them packed lunch. And uh, they were like, you know, cucumber sandwich, no way. I was thinking, you know, I would be so happy if my mother had given me <laughs> cucumber sandwich. I sit down and think, I'm in the storybook. Yeah. I'm living that life, but no. Because it's sort of based on that inspiration of Enid Blyton, do you want lashings of ginger beer? Oh, yeah. Sure they would be <laughs> yeah. Lashings. It has yeah. to be lashings. has to be lashings, yeah. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I've forgotten that. That sounds good, doesn't yeah. it? Lashings yeah, yeah, of ginger yeah. beer sounds way more. Can't even imagine what container it would be and it's just <laughs> coming out. 
<laughs> I know. How would it work? Yeah. Yeah. It just sounds so good. It sounds so good. If I had an empty glass and someone said, do you want lashings of ginger beer? If I said yes, I'd expect my hand to be drenched yeah. with or the ginger beer. By the end. Yeah, just they've a... just gone... <laughs> 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 yeah. We arrive at the dessert, as you know, my mm. favourite course, excited. I always get nervous. I also don't I'm know also where... now nervous because of the fact that you will not like my choice. Well, this is the I... thing. It's like I always get nervous that people are going to oh, pick. Oh, I have two th- options and now I desperately want to pick the one that you like. Yeah, well... No, I want the one that I'll like will be the one that he doesn't <laughs> yeah. like. So you're, ch- you're pleasing someone. But, you know, my usual reaction for, I can't do that. <laughs> um, oh, God, I'm so nervous, but I'm just going to still say yeah, it. Yeah, let's go for it. English trifle. Yeah, I love oh, it. Love that's it. Great. Oh, Absolutely that's good. Love it. be happy with love that. Love it. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm just so nervous. What was your other option? Baked Alaska. Oh, come on. Are you both for those? Yeah, yeah, you'd be happy either way, wouldn't you? Yeah, so, so they are both this kind I of... I was worried you are going to say a cheese board is what I was worried. Oh, my God. What is cheese board? I yeah, can't I understand. Yeah, I know. God, this is what people who are so tortured in their lives, you know, who really need to go into therapy. Yep, yeah. People need to go into therapy, those who have cheese boards, because after you've had a bloody meal, you eat sweets. What are you doing? You're kind of... I don't understand. No, no, go on. I like a cheese board. I like a cheese board. He likes a cheese board. He likes them. I do. (laughs) Yeah. Why? What what do you... Delicious way to end the meal. On a salty kind Mm. of... Why? Yum, yum. I've put so much sugar in my peas. You need you need some sweetness in your life. Yeah. Well, I get that this from a nice chutney, side. a nice chutney with the with the cheese. But it's all salty. On a poppadom. <laughs> yeah, we have a poppadom yeah. at the end. Of the we, we know that now. Yeah. yeah, allow that. No, but you have poppadom and chutney, and then you have dessert. All oh, right. Okay. So the, the salty end is like. Weird. Look, I prefer. I overall, I would prefer a cheese board and then a dessert. But if I had to choose, sometimes I'd like a cheese board. Awful, uh, isn't it? Uh, no, it's just yeah, he's a bad man. <laughs> Yeah, but you're okay with with trifle, me choosing. Oh, trifle. very, very yeah. happy with trifle. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. I think you're a fourth trifle on the I'm, podcast. I'm, I'm surprised more people haven't chosen. I think I can remember who, Jamie Oliver, Harry Hill. This is incredible, James, that you remember this. Yeah, well, because Harry Hill, we talked about the three layers of the trifle and yeah. who was who. Yeah. So it was yeah, Jamie Oliver, him, and it was someone else who Harry Hill really liked, I think. But now I can't remember who it was. Oh, oh, Amanda, Amanda Inucci. Yeah, yeah. You're so very you're, good in, you're in good company here. This is the four of you. The, I think the I've gang. blown my reputation of authentic Indian chef who's just written <laughs> an Indian cookbook, dedicated to a mother, and I've picked like the most bizarre things that <gasps> for me would be. But the you thing gave is, us a heads up though. You did tell us what you were going to do. Yeah. So I think it's fine. I think it's yeah, a great menu. Yeah, I could because I I never play to the galleries. Yeah. Ever, because actually you can't sustain this whole thing. I cannot fake anything. So. Because Calcutta is still hung up in the on the Raj, the British left in the forties. Calcutta hasn't really moved that far in some ways. We still have this kind of bubble of you know what what people think is sophisticated, what they think is beautiful, and you will still go to you know very beautiful clubs, uh, you know gen- gentlemen's club. There used to be, but now of course you got families there, and get baked Alaska and mm. get a trifle. It's, it's just wonderful. Coming from a city like that, I don't think ev- everyone in India could even relate to what I'm saying. But Calcutta was the capital of the Raj, you know, after London. Hated or difficult as it is, at, you know, at least you can look at the positives of it. But it's very uncomfortable for all of us to have lived like this and known that our history is, you know, with all that happened with colonialism. But there are all these positive things that we got prawn cocktail and uh-huh. we got trifle. And so, you know, I think they're always good and bad. And, you know, we need to embrace 
things that happened and not hate. So I refuse to hate anyone. And for me, trifle and peace. Yes, any day. <laughs> uh, not together, like in Friends. No. 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 Although, no, that, that although would your mum would understand that. Would you try the, the trifle that Joey ate? No. In Friends? You wouldn't even try it? No. I, I, I would not try anything that Joey ate because <laughs> somehow Joey is just slightly frightening. Uh-huh. But I, we had David Schwimmer coming to uh, Kingley Court and I have never seen such chaos. More chaotic than when Danny DeVito came. <laughs> Danny DeVito, we were able to hide. David yeah, Schimmer. Sure. Yeah, he's small. Yeah. And because of his height or whatever, he just spoke and that was chaos. I mean, we yeah. were just like trying to protect him from everyone. Danny DeVito, people just thought was so... He was so wonderful. I think people just hesitated. David Schwimmer was mobbed. We didn't know what to do. Yeah. We couldn't control anything. It went out of control. He was too tall, too tall. Yeah. Yeah. I think it yeah, was just DeVito's too tall. the perfect height for just sneaking in yeah. places, isn't he? Him and Ant-Man. Yeah. yeah. No, Danny, De- Danny DeVito was like kind of fridge size. Yeah. And so wonderful. We didn't t- told him not to speak too much. Yeah. He was so loud. Everybody outside the restaurant could hear him and were like, stop. Tony DeVito. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like, I told him, just keep low key and then, you know, people won't see I you. Love that. Also, he's that oh, yeah, size. That's so shut brilliant. Up, Danny. That's Danny so brilliant people. how much you run your restaurant that you're like, I've got to tell Danny DeVito to shut up. No, because it became, it would have become un- unmanageable. Because <laughs> yeah. people would just queue outside. Like even Kira Knightley, when she would leave, we would yes. literally run her out because they had everyone chasing her wow. down the stairs. Get Kira Knightley to like be quiet by just like she just write down stuff and hold it up on boards yeah. she's talking <laughs> instead, and then and then no one will hear her. That'll be okay. You know, food should be about this. It doesn't matter who you are. You you come to my door, you put your burden down outside. I say this to everyone who comes. You know, leave your burden out, and who you are is out. You come inside, you sit down, and I will feed and feed. That's what I want to do, because that's the great equalizer. Food is. My mother taught me this. You know, you feed. With the same respect and honor, you do not ask that person who they are, unless they're Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, I think one, I will, I will just pass out. Read your menu back to you now. See how you feel about it. Uh, sparkling water, uh, chapati bread, starter prawn cocktail, main course jalfrezi with toasted bread and butter, ketchup on top, side dish of peas with salted butter, sugar, and mint. You want lashings of Fentiman's ginger beer and dessert and English trifle. Do I get to eat it now? <laughs> Ah. You're a genie. <laughs> this is not how it works? Huh? It's not how it works? You uh, are the genie. You... Uh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah What's all it? the sound effect in the beginning if you're yeah. not going to deliver now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ed. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to eat that. I'm going to get, I'm get no one's ever called me out on this before. I mean, that is oh, so bad. it's one of those all sound and no show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all, you go in the restaurant, we yeah. ask you what you want, and then we just go, see ya. Oh, one of the difficulties of the perception people have that you are now successful as a chef or a cook or whatever. No one invites me. No, I, 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 I really miss that. My friends have stopped inviting me. Mm-hmm. They invite themselves to the restaurant. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I don't think I've ever been anyone has cooked for me for a long time. Well, if you're listening, Paul Rudd, sort it out. <laughs> yeah, come on, Paul. Also, I know how you feel. No one ever tells me any jokes no more. No. <laughs> no one ever jokes to me. Oh. I haven't laughed in years. 
<laughs> Did I sound as bad as that? No. Oh no no no! no. I I love my friends. You know, it's easier for them to come because there's food in my place yeah. than yeah. for them to bother making prawn cocktails for me in their house. Thank you so much. I really you. had a great time. Oh, thank you, thank you very much, Asma. That was fantastic. Thank you. Well, there we are. What a great episode, James. Wow, felt an honour. An honour. And it's 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 always so lovely uh, on the rare occasion we feel like proper podcasters. Yeah, so that felt that like was... a really good interview, and that's yeah. mainly because Asma is very uh, arresting. And we and... yeah we, we we didn't talk no as much, which is I think that's that's when I feel like a proper podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't trample over everything our guests. Yeah, we don't just going like listen to me. <laughs> you know, actually remember that they're the guest. And I like episodes. sweeties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I was... like cheese. Well, we did do that a bit. But, yeah, uh, we still got we that, in, that there. in there. Oh. Leopard can't change its spots. You didn't offer a poppadom at the end. Oh, I feel a bit. That's annoying, isn't oh, it? We fucked up. Yeah. Uh, but what a wonderful interview. She did not say supermarket sushi. Of, of course, course she did not, uh, which means not. she's earned... A full plug for her brilliant cookbook, Amu, Indian Home Cooking to Nourish Your Soul. That is out now. Uh, so go and buy it. We've had a flick through and we're already very excited to cook some stuff from it. Yeah. Uh, if you've just listened to that episode and you don't want to buy it, then uh, I think you won't listen to the episode properly. Yeah, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Um, but if you don't want to buy James's book, I do understand, but I'm sure yep. it's going to be very good. James, what is the name of your book? Say it quickly and say it from memory. James, James A. Custer's Guide to Quitting Social Media, Being <laughs> the Best Show You Can Be and Curing Yourself of Loneliness, Volume 1. So make sure you go and get that book by James A. Custer. Uh, <laughs> what? You said James. That's how you started it. No. Oh, God. My Tour Electric uh, is currently happening all over the UK. Go on to edgamble.co.uk for tickets. Uh, sure, I've been some places already, but there's a mm. lot more places to go. Yeah, if you missed the ones so far, make sure you catch them later on. Yeah. Uh-oh, my chair nearly just slid into Benito's little desk there. Oh, James, I'm trying to plug my tour and you keep doing your slapstick. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'll be back on stage one day. Oh, James. With the slapstick. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you enjoy, well, um, there's another, there's a uh, another podcast just coming out. Oh, no, the podcast is out now. Yeah. If people have enjoyed Off Menu, will they enjoy Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains? I don't, I don't know. There's, well, there's a bit of crossover. We talk about um, maybe, you know, a couple of food uh, issues. We talk about cutlery, and that's near food. We reckon it's out now. Not soon, it's now. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. If you like James and if you love Ed, you might get a kick out of this. But yeah, again, no pressure. But um, yeah, this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.